welcome to the Simplified Organization Show, where real moms chat about real life and how to manage our responsibilities at home while prioritizing our people. We want to banish overwhelm, fulfill our callings, and stay cheerful as we do so, because God is working in and through us. I'm your host, Misty Winkler, a second-generation homeschooling mom of five kids who are 18 to nine years old. I guess the oldest isn't really a kid (laughs) anymore. He's on his own working full-time, right? And I podcast at simplyconvivial.com and am author of the book, The Convivial Homeschool, Gospel Encouragement for Keeping Your Sanity While Living and Learning Alongside Your Kids. And today I'm joined by Bethany Berendrit, who's wife to Alex and mama to their five kids, ages six to 14. She works from home as founder and creative director for Women Encouraged and hosts their podcast. Occasionally helps as a substitute teacher at her kids' classical Christian school. And she serves at her local church in women's ministry, planning and leading Bible studies and keeping women connected in God's word through various means. Bethany is passionate about Bible literacy and enjoys writing and speaking to share hope for everyday life. But she would love nothing more than to sit down for a cup of coffee with you and talk about how the gospel changes everything. So that's what we get to do today. Welcome, Bethany. Hi, I'm so glad to be here with you. So it sounds like you have a lot on your plate. What does life look like for you right now? Life looks like wrapping up the school year right now because we're recording this in, I guess, the very last day in May. That's, that's <laughs> our day in May. So we have 10 more days in our at our kids' classical Christian school left. And then after that, I'm going to be kind of plugging into continuing curriculum development with them and looking forward to homeschooling my oldest in the fall through kind of just monitoring his time with Logos online classical Christian school. Mm-hmm. That's where he'll be. And yeah, facilitating different things for my kids at their school. So I'm just kind of always thinking about three months ahead, I guess. And so that's where my head is going to turn in the next few weeks. And we just returned from a, a time visiting family. And so I'm, you caught me on a day where I'm actually unpacking suitcases and trying to res- resume a sense of normalcy in my house. So it's a little bit, I don't know, things feel a little upside down today, but this is a good day. And I'm, yeah, just thinking about the next few months of summer, trying to think about what we can do to keep activities fun and not get too crazy. We have a little tiny farm here that we are going to be plugging away at. And I'm thinking about some gardening too. Our gardening season is very different here. So we, I'm going to be building some planter boxes and getting some things going. Awesome. Yeah. What kind of things are you growing on the farm? I think this year I'm going to try to do potatoes. I didn't last year because we had a really terrible garden, actually. <laughs> like it was not well fenced. This is we were new to the property. I was not familiar with the soil. And actually all my carrots came up in a different place that I actually planted them. My lettuce never came up. I like it was like the garden of failure. <laughs> Here it was really kind of funny. And then we came home from a time in the States. And there were six deer standing in my garden eating everything. And I was like, well, that was lovely. So it was a fun, it was a fun trial run. I learned a lot. And this year I'm going to do things differently. And I think I'm going to, I'm going to work on potatoes and just some things I can put into storage relatively easily here. Nice. Yeah. I know a lot of people are doing a lot more 
gardening, I think this year and looking at how they can use their land. So yeah, we don't want it to become just feeding the, feeding the wild deer. (laughs) Yes. That's not my favorite. (laughs) Here we actually had a moose eating trees in our backyard. Oh yeah. We have quite a few of those where we live as well. And our dog has he thinks it's a party. So he runs circles and chases them and stuff. So <laughs> moose are slightly more dangerous than deer though, for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so I think one of the things that we often struggle with as women who, you know, know that we have important work to do and we want to do it really well. And sometimes that can become perfectionism. Mm, yeah. What would you say to the mom struggling with perfectionism? Well, I would say this is a hard thing to say, and I just want you to know this is coming from someone who has wrestled with this for many years, but I would say fall on the grace of God and ask him to open your eyes to your idols. Mm -hmm. It's not an easy thing to acknowledge, but perfectionism is idolatry worked out in a particular area of our lives. Mm -hmm. And if you're not seeing it that way, then it's wise to ask God to open your eyes. If you are feeling kind of like an awareness of it, but you don't know what to do about it, you need to ask the Lord to help you identify your idolatry and and to help you tear it down, help you tear down those idols. But also if you're not, be willing to ask God to remove your idols for you. You're not doing yourself any favors clinging to your idols. We often think that we are, we think actually this will, like we coddle our sin because we think our sin is coddling us. We think it's going to comfort us. And, and, and it's, it does seem harsh to say to somebody who's, who would just say, I'm, I'm just a perfectionist. I just want things perfect in a certain way, but you know, perfectionism and, and that, and this is something that's not limited to our home or our domain in a physical sense, it's going to manifest in a critical spirit and and it's rooted ultimately in pride and ingratitude and we desperately need god to open our eyes to the areas where this has taken root in our hearts and done damage in our relationships starting with our husband and children obviously that's kind of your your audience here and we can really deceive ourselves that no one's being hurt or even that we're we're doing something good like we're benefiting and blessing others but that's pride and so when when perfectionism when we recognize perfectionism, we need to call it what it is and agree with God that that it's not it's not wisdom being lived out in the home. You know, your space. Like, I, there's several iterations of this that I heard over the last several years. But that God is perfect, not a perfectionist. You know, don't pretend that you're imaging God and honoring Him by having a critical spirit in your home. And whether that looks like critical, a critical spirit regarding, you know, your floors, which I can relate to. I definitely have a sense of like, I feel like my eyes are drawn to to problems and to sin and to issues and stuff like that. And and that's not actually fruit of the spirit. You know, that's not the Lord at work in my life. That's my sin that needs to be dealt with. And so my advice would be pray. And I know that seems very simplistic for some people pray, don't cling to your idols because they're not, they're not helping you. They're hurting you and they're hurting your relationships and they're keeping you out of fellowship with the people that you are called to live closest with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so easy, especially with all the, the media saturation 
that we get, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's the pictures on HGTV or the magazines or Pinterest or Instagram, we can, mm-hmm. we can be bombarded in so many different avenues with pictures of perfect homes. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that our job as homemakers is to make the atmosphere, by which I mean the aesthetics, the look of everything yep. perfect. Like it's yeah. perfect for a photo shoot when that's not right. I think that's really an important point because there are different types of perfectionism. I think I kind of said that already, but there it's going to manifest itself. It's ultimately a heart issue. It's going to manifest itself differently. And so if your, your perfectionism is looking like your house having to look a certain way all the time, then you've set your home up and your you, you know, what it looks like to other people. You've set their opinion over God's. You've set your home in a place that it should not be. Your home is a blessing. It's a gift to you. If there's an, there's a verse that comes to mind just now, like as we're talking about, it's in first Corinthians four, it says that, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? And I think this is very applicable to perfectionism because if we're looking at our home, our domain, our life, you know, the giftings we've been given, our children, and we're trying to make them in our image. If we're trying to make them, you know, reflect even the, if we're trying to make them reflect the world standard, the world's aesthetic, which it's not wrong to have beautiful things or to enjoy them or to share them. That's not a sin. But when you are looking at what you have as though you have created this for yourself, rather than having received it from God, then you are practicing idolatry and you're allowing pride to root in your heart in a way that's incredibly destructive. And so it's not going to just look like, you know, don't touch the coffee table. It's not going to just look like, oh, you tracked mud in the house or you messed up my schedule because you didn't find your shoes on time or something like that. Those are that's like the overflow of what's already going on in your heart. And, and comparison is one of those overflows comparison to like your Instagram aesthetic that you like to curate or whatever, or, or what your friends curate, that's going to be like the fruit that's manifested for what's already been going on in your heart. Mm -hmm. So what do you think some of those idols might be commonly? Well, I think, well, perfectionism is the idol of self. Ultimately, it's saying I'm the standard. Like I said, it's very deceptive. We can say, well, God's a God of order and he's perfect. And so me being perfect and demanding perfection from others is actually being like God. That's that's self-deception. God is perfect. You are his creature. You're redeemed from, you know, all manner of sin. And your calling is to walk in step with the Lord with this, with the Holy spirit, that's already at work in you. You've been saved, not to your own ways so that you can go and do your own thing and live your own way and demand that everybody fall in line with you. So perfectionism is at its heart, the the idol of self. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think we do have this sense where we know that we were created for perfection. Like there is attraction Mm -hmm. there that's genuine but we're yeah. fallen and we don't have it in ourselves. Yeah. And the only way to get perfection is Christ's perfection. It's never ours. Right. And don't forget, like when 
when Paul says to Titus, you know, that God redeemed for himself a particular people who are zealous for good works, we can look at that and be like, yes, I'm doing this good work, but you need to remember that this isn't your personal work. You are supposed to be, you've got a captain that you're following. You have, you know, you have someone whose standard is over you and you're not the boss. (laughs) So (laughs) your job is to be faithful in the areas that God has given you. And he has not given you, you know, this command. And maybe this is, maybe this will alleviate a burden. I don't know. Hopefully it will. But I think a lot of the time in our perfectionism and our idolatry of self, you know, that feels harsh to people because they feel like they're carrying this burden of maintaining perfection as though that's the charge God has given them. But he hasn't. He's called them to faithfulness and to do what's in front of them and to, you know, image him as they're able, as the Lord continues to grow and sanctify them. But he's not burdening you with the task of making your home picture perfect, spotless, and and exactly like you know, you're, you've been given a life. It's going to be messy. It's going to produce fruit and fruit grows on trees and trees live in the dirt. And you, you can't expect that. You can't expect perfection when God hasn't actually called you to that. He's not going to actually enable you to that either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And our sanctification is, is gradual and we don't hit glory till Jesus comes back. Right. Right. You know, you will get to experience perfection one day. It really will happen for you. It's just not going to happen in your house today. (laughs) So many of us continue to struggle with perfectionism, and it can be hard even to know where perfectionism is rearing its ugly head in our lives. If you think you might be struggling with perfectionism or you know that you are, then join me for a free workshop called No More Perfectionism. You can get access to this seminar for free by going to nomoreperfectionism.com. That's all one word, nomoreperfectionism.com. And join me for part two of my conversation with Bethany, where we talk about the best tip for changing our attitudes, overcoming perfectionism, and moving forward in our lives. Even if we struggle with perfectionism, it comes down to repenting, rejoicing, and repeating. See you then.